Father, the opportunity that you give yet again, time in your word, your truth, Father God, to any that have an ear to hear the words, but listen to the message, Father God. Words for them to hear, message for them to heed and go to your words, seeking your face, your truth, your knowledge, Father. This is about your truth, knowledge, not mine. You give these words to me, you allow me to do this, to be about your business, Father God, to share with anyone and give them the opportunity, to give them the opportunity, Father God, for them to come, accept, and be with you, Father God. But Father, we have so much that keeps us from coming and revealing Father God and whatever it is, the white noise and inference, God, that you would have us to be able to filter through this thing and just come. You already know, Father God, but to have us to come because we are your children and you are our good, good Father and not to hide as Adam and Eve hid themselves and we hide ourselves because of shame or embarrassment or whatever it is, Father God, you are a good, good Father and your arms are outstretched to take us in, to embrace us, to love us, forgive us. So I found that actually in, in my devotion and it's, we, we are very much that way. We tried to hide like Adam and Eve did for whatever reason. And it could be for what we th believe are our own thought process. But here you have to understand that uh, the white noise interference that comes from Satan and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're trying to, the Holy Spirit is trying to guard our soul and trying to guide us to the right way. And the white noise interference comes from Satan and his demons, and they're trying to get us to ignore that and not to go. And what do they? Always, what does it always think? It's a self degradation and putting ourselves down, comparing ourselves to other people, all the time, all the time, all the time. But here's something that you have to understand and know, and is truth: that the purity of His words are proven, and I've shared this with you time and time again. The empirical evidence that shows that God is faithful. And here's, here's a turn on this. The purity of his words are so proven all the time, but yet, and yet, the wicked liars, deceivers are the ones who are exalted. We turn away from God, we complain that there's so much church involved in this and that and the other thing, and you don't want to honor or hear truth, preferring the lies and deceit and the wickedness, the absolute wickedness that comes. And that's a bit of paraphrasing that I borrowed from David. And we can find that in Psalm, one of David's poems. And that's in Psalm 12. 
6 through 8. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, as anyone has ever done any smelting or metal work or anything like that, if you want the best silver and the best gold, that it actually has to be fired multiple times to make sure that all the impurities come out, everything is cooked out, any little bubbles pop in there, and it has to be done that way. When you want the finest porcelain and you've done clay, done that too. Um, you have to fire multiple times. You fire the greenware. That way it doesn't break so where the greenware, you can just put your finger on it and barely put any pressure and you're going to break a piece off. So greenware is that that's been molded and carbon just basically sitting on a table and it just all the moisture and everything dries out of it, but it can, it's very, still very soft and can be damaged easily. But once the clay is fired, then it becomes more glass-like. And then it's fired again once you add the coloring and all the finish to it. So multiple firings are required. And I bring that to light this way too. Brothers and sisters, we complain often about trials and things that go on, but Christ reminds us that there will be trials and tribulations that come. But understand this. As I've shared this with you before, this I bought this to honor my father because of his being a firefighter, and, and he was a very godly man forged in fire. But then the Holy Spirit took me one evening, and he said, look at this and understand that your godliness, your goodliness, and the things that you are or the things that I will make you are because I fire you. You are going to be my finest jewel. You're going to be my finest porcelain. But I have to fire you many times. And it's going to come. And you know what? Thank you, Father. That's okay. It is okay. It used to bother me a lot. But you know what? It doesn't bother me. But how about this one? And this is, I take right from David. Psalm 11, 1. In the Lord, I put my trust. How say he, my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. I take flight and I go to Zion because that's God's holy place. That is God's holy place. And that's where I fly to. Because you know what? My trust is in God. Not in man or mammon. We're going to talk about this some more. Sorry, I got a little... God's here spending time with me and he... He does that thing God does. He puts his hand on me and then I start to cry. I'm just glad so far he hasn't wrapped his arms around me because then that just gets me to blubber. <laughs> oh, man. Ooh. And the Holy Spirit just took me over to Psalm 14. Here's one for 
some of y'all, this may be very applicable. Don't get your niggers all twisted up when I share things with you either. You know, it, it's... When I use terms like you or y'all or something like that, it's a, it's a generality. However, if there are those of you out there that your knickers get all twisted up and it does make you uncomfortable, that might be for a very reason. Because what I'm saying is applicable to you. And you might be saying, how does he know? Well, I don't. But the Holy Spirit does. And if you're uncomfortable with something that I might say, that's because you need to be praying to God and praying forgiveness and you need to pray redemption. So when I just say you or y'all or, you know, there's sometimes I speak in general, I can't see you. I'm on this electronic gizmo that God has seen fit in his will to have me to do this and be about his business. But anyway... Here's what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share it with uh, Psalms 13, 5, and 6. And then I'm going to jump into Psalm 14, 1 and 2. And here's further what I have to declare. I've trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Brothers and sisters, I'm an old guy. He has seen fit to have me for whatever purpose he's got going on. But you know what? I have beautiful grandchildren. People don't understand how it is that I'm my age uh, because I don't look, you know, whatever the reason, you know, maybe they're surprised because I don't look like I'm as old as I am. And that's because of the blessings of God. It has nothing to do with all this knickknacks, paddywhack stuff that I do. And, you know, I got a cover full of vitamins, which I don't. But I spent time with God, and God has anointed me with his love, guidance, and his care, and he, he takes care of me. And it's got nothing to do with all this stuff that people get caught up in, which incidentally, be cautious, because it's a whole lot of poison. I've shared this with you before, things that God gave to us naturally, and provide for us. And you have man and mammon have decided that we can make a better, faster, stronger. And it's only going to cost you anything and everything. Why? Because the side effects are horrendous. Just like these medicines and all these things that they deceptively tell you are good for you and you need to do them. Well, hear me in this. No, you don't. Research and truth be told. No, you don't. So we're not going to get off on that tangent. But you have to be guarded. Because the words that spew out of that effluent discharge pipe on the front of people's faces and Many call them mouths. And I call them an effluent discharge pipe because, brothers and sisters, some of the stuff that comes out of those mouths is foul, fetid, putrid sewage. Because it's so full of lies and deceit. Not only that, but just foul mouth. And there's one, and I 
I hope she's let it go because there's this one young fellow supposedly claims to be a Christian and talk about all this stuff about Christianity, except that he does multiple tapings and videos and he flips people off. He cusses readily. And some of the tattoos that he openly displays are despicable and has no concern. And, and I bring that up because if you're making a display that way, the truth is coming out beyond what you claim. Anyway, he has an affluent discharge that is just, it's foul. The words that come out of his mouth, every other word is a cursory expletive and claiming to be a Christian and preaching about I don't know what he's preaching about, but he's talking about that there are so many Christians out here that are not really Christian. Well, yeah, but okay, but what? Anyway, it's hard, and I I'm I pray a lot about it because it troubles me. This is my niece. She's gone through a whole lot of things, and she tries to look to God, and she looks to God for the answers as opposed to where she look, used to look for the answers, and I pray for her every day. And I hope she's cut loose of this person because I don't see God there. How can you claim to be God and then just basically flaunting the devil everywhere you work, but claiming, for, but see, the Bible tells us that this is going to happen. The Bible tells us this is going to happen. Jesus told us this is going to happen. Christ Jesus told us that this is going to come our way. Be careful not to be deceived and that those, even the elect, will be deceived. What does that mean? Those believers are going to be deceived because they speak with golden tongue. This is why I'm telling you. The purity of his words are proven, yet the wicked are exalted. And there are so many that are full of lies and deceit. And sadly, there are so many that hang on to every word and crave more as if it's dripping with honey. What they say is so, so beautiful and it's so great. And, oh, did you hear what they said last week? And yet it's... Nothing but lies. So Solomon, being David's son, in case you don't know who he is, share that with you right up. Solomon is David's son. And Solomon was, give, was given a gift of God. And Solomon was given an opportunity and he was told, he said, you ask and I'll give to you personally. I'll personally give to you. God said, I will personally give you a gift, one gift. Because I see your heart. And Solomon asked him for wisdom. Didn't ask him for riches, to be a king, to be all this 
and that and the other thing, but just ask him for wisdom. But through that gift that God bestowed on Solomon, making him, and it is said that Solomon was the wisest man that lived. Of course, up until Jesus came along, but by then Solomon had died. But Solomon was the wisest man who lived. And this wisdom allowed him to become a good king, leader, and all this thing. Doesn't say that he was perfect. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't mince words. Neither was David. David was a man after God's own heart because David, when he fell, he always went back to God. He always went back to the place that he knew that he should be. But you have so many out there that do that. Now, when they fall down, they just run away. And they won't go back to God. Say, oh, I can't go back to God. Look what I've done. Because they believe what the devil told them. But in Proverbs 23, 1 through 12, I'm going to share with you. This is pretty much how things are. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And what that means is, um, you know, they're going to set a nice table. And it doesn't have to go with a, a gubernatorial leader or anything like that. It can, just, it can be a, a really wealthy person or somebody who's got a big old company and they're trying to recruit you in to do something. Or it could just be, just be cautious. And this is what he's saying in 23, 1 through 12. Further in verse 2. And put a knife to thy... Uh, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. So if you're going to be devouring everything this person has to tell you, and that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be as if you're cutting your own throat, which is what that translates to. And there are so many that do. They go right into this thing and they believe everything that they're told and they succumb to their treachery and they're cutting their own throat. And that's what Solomon is telling you that you're going to do. Putting a knife to your own throat. Further in verse 3, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh, in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. That's pretty cut and dried right there. He's a liar. He's going to offer you really nice plates of food. He's going to offer you all these things that you come up there and you take them and then you're going to be deceived and he's going to tell you all this stuff. And then he said, man, if you do this, you're going to be rich. 
You look at what happened to some of those folks that fell into the Ponzi schemes and, and all those pyramid schemes that happened to these. And who's that one guy who was a really big-time investor? He was a multi-multi-millionaire. Well, that's because he stole everything. And he convinced people to invest, and he stole their investments to make himself richer, to make it appear that he was this successful guy. Yeah, because he was stealing from everybody. And then they found him out and they went after him. And well, there was one who went into prison and then there was another one who didn't quite make it there because somebody decided to get to him before he got there. Further in verse eight, the morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. What does that mean? That means don't go into uncharted territories, things that are marked that you know are good and know that are right and good for you and that it's a good place to be, that you're going to go through because these roadways are not clearly marked and you're just taking this person for what they tell you. So this is what Solomon in his wisdom is telling Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the field of the fatherless. For their redeemer is mighty, he shall plead their cause with thee. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thy ears to the words of knowledge. That's pretty powerful right there. And that is wisdom. And that wisdom comes from the collection of knowledge, which is actually what wisdom is. Wisdom is a collection of knowledge, knowing how to apply it and make people able to understand things and help them. And this is what Solomon is telling us right here and what we are being told. Don't ignore what's there in front of you and showing you to go and then take that down and go ahead over here to this direction that they're telling you go to. And they're going to convince you. And there's some people that do that. And they just take down that road marker and say, eh, I'm going to go in there anyway. This is what I sure have shared with you before. Is have faith that the detour is indeed the road. And when the Holy Spirit is telling you to go a certain direction, don't ignore the Holy Spirit and decide I'm going to go this way. I don't want to go that way because I don't know that way. Have faith that the detour is the road because the Holy Spirit's not going to take you down someplace to get you in harm's way. God doesn't work like that. It might take a little bit longer for you to get if you follow the detour and you do what the Holy Spirit has told you to do, but it's going to be beneficial in the long run. Because when you go that way that you know that's so much quicker, ah, you find out that the bridge got washed out. And now you can't get anywhere turned around because you took off in such a hurry and you have drivers the way that they are. They followed you thinking that you knew something. Well, you didn't know much of anything except you got everybody stuck and now you got everybody stuck behind you and you hear all the horns honking, you can't get turned around. So you're stuck down there where you went for a half an hour or more. And if you had just gone on the detour, we would have been talking about minutes. 
a little bit longer. You're not like it. But now you went down here the way that you and you got stuck. Pray your way out of it. All you got to do is pray your way out of it. Pray your way out of it. Well, here's interesting. The Holy Spirit got me over here on a one and Ah, this is one he he showed to me, and this is this is this has to do with that that um, that schemer trying to deceive you. But here's the thing: better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. So, going to try to convince you to give up what money you have and give it to them so that they can make themselves richer, steal from you, deceive you, and make you think that something is there. And he's just perverting truth, making it a lie. And he's making it sound good because he's telling you that and it's he's made up all this stuff. But that person is a fool. So hold on to your integrity. What does that mean? Integrity means that it doesn't matter who's watching you and know that God is always watching because he does not sleep and he does not slumber. Integrity is a good, powerful word that means that you do the right thing no matter who's watching, whether they are watching and you can't see them, but they might be. But know this, that integrity is powerful. And it's good. I'm going to fall into this anecdotal situation that I was at a place of employment. And it saddened me, actually, because I thought that I could really do good. And I saw some great potential. But their interpretation of integrity was not truth. It was integrity as they saw it. And the way that they wanted it to be. And that as long as I did the right thing, but that I would do what they told me and how they told me to do, whether it was with integrity or not. Well, that's not what integrity is. Integrity means doing the right thing no matter what. And if they're telling you to do something, whether they're a supervisor or what, but it's wrong, it's also dangerous inappropriate are you going to do it simply because they're telling you to do it and they oh well they signed my paycheck so I got no you don't no you don't if it's not righteous and it's not truth you do not have to bend the truth so that you fit into that mold you don't have to do that I didn't get this position and that's okay and what they decided to make up and what they put down in their written statement was not at all the truth. So that told me and showed me exactly what their interpretation of integrity was, that they didn't have it. So I was not 
going to forfeit my integrity for theirs. But I didn't get mad at him because here this next verse that I'm going to share with you in Proverbs 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. So, that's a toot to my horn because my Heavenly Father said that I did the right thing. Because I didn't get mad at them. I use integrity and discretion that he's teaching me. And then I just decided to go by that. I could have made a big stink about it. I could have made a uh, declaration or um, what was the, uh, oh, what was the word? No, it doesn't matter. I did what God teaches me to do through the Holy Spirit, his guidance and his teaching. And that's what matters. But again, back I share with you that there are so many and keep this in mind also and this is in proverb 21 you have to consider this in 21 and 12 actually is really important 21 2 every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth his heart. You might think that it looks good, but God knows what's in your heart. So are you doing the right thing according to spiritual integrity? Are you doing it just so it appears to be right? God knows your heart. So if you're doing it for appearance sake, take caution in that. And verse 12, the righteous man wisely considered the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. And that doesn't mean that it's going to happen exactly when you think it should. That's what God's timing is about. And all of this is food for thought for you. Remember that word. Think about it. And this is something else too. When God did speak openly to his prophets of old, they were more readily aware of his voice. It was quieter time. Not the Hasamas, they were with the herd, they were with their animals, they were out away from anything and everything. There's actually a scripture, I couldn't, I was looking for it, couldn't find it. And um, sorry, Father, I did not wait patiently 
to find it because I was <laughs> foolish. Um, but there is a scripture I remember that um, I thought it was in Ruth. It could have been Ruth and Boaz that I, I went by because that's when she saw him out in the field and that he oftentimes went to the field. He oftentimes went to the field to ponder time with God. And the prophets of old are the same way. They had time away from the hustle and bustle. And when they, and they had to go, they didn't have the bullet train. They didn't have the speed train. They didn't have the buses coming by every 20 minutes or so to go by and kick up dust on it. They didn't have the wagon trains and they didn't have the stage coaches. They walked most everywhere they went. Remember, uh, if you might, I, I believe, I'm pretty sure I shared this with you, that Jacob, um, before he got around to where he dug the well, which is where the Samaritan woman was when Jesus met her, was at the well that Jacob dug in the Valley of Samaria. It took Jacob 23 years to walk there. 23 years he was walking. Oof. That's a long time. Brothers and sisters, the prophets of old had time to spend with God and they, they made that time to walk and talk with him. And they heard his voice. They were readily aware of his voice. But as the timeline hurtling toward us, and toward this time, like that bullet train that takes off in Japan, I think they have one in Europe now, and those trains, are uh, they go 120 miles, and I think they have one that now goes 140 miles an hour, or 160, I can't remember, they're fast. Why do you even need to travel that fast on a train? Why have you got to hurt, why? Oh, because I got to get there, I got to get to work, I got to get here, I got to get there, I got to get, go, 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 really? This is exactly what our pastor was talking about a few Sundays ago. Slow down. Take time to spend time with God. Make time to spend time with God. You make that time, he will take time to spend with you. He sees that you're sacrificing that for him. He will honor that sacrifice. Yes, he will. And... Is there really a purpose to have to be somewhere so fast? Oh, if I get there, then I can do this and I can do that and I can do this. But then you get there and you wind up not doing this or that or this or that. This is why God doesn't want you to be so pre-planning everything. He gives it, He has given that gift to us, but we have in turn perverted it because we make that ability to be able to look forward, forward thinking, and pre-plan, and we fill the day planners up with so much gobbledygook and garbage that we got to do this to get that done. If we get this to do that done, then we can. Then I can take the wife and kids to here, or the husband and I can go have dinner over here, and then the kids we can all go to the theme park and this time, and this time, and then from that time we go there. We spend this time over in that attraction, this time at that attraction, and they plan everything out. Oh my goodness gracious! What an absolute pain in the neck! So you've got everything that's so pre-planned 
that when you get to some place that you're supposed to be enjoying with one another and take you can't spend time at any one attraction because you've got to get to the next show. You've got to get to the next attraction at such and such a time. Come on, let's walk faster. Oh my gosh, and I even found myself doing that on occasion. That was pathetic. We were enjoying it. It was a nice, beautiful, beautiful day. Listening to the birds and everything. But was I paying attention to that? No. Well, neither was my son's mom either. We were in a hurry trying to get to the show. Didn't matter that there was another one a half an hour later. We didn't want to wait that half an hour. Why? Because we were in a hurry to get it done. Why? So this timeline came at us hurtling toward us. The voice of God is not so apparent because there's so much white noise, interference, the honking, the traffic, the absolute din, the cacophony of noise that takes place when you get out in traffic and get downtown and you get in the midst of all this and, and you've got all that going on. Oof. And when the prophets of old were out in the quiet, couldn't help but to hear God. <laughs> because he was talking. And you could hear him. But now there's so much interference. And then, of course, came the liars, deceivers, and of course, there are those that have no true knowledge. They just make up things as they go. Even when it is about what they claim to be the word of God. They don't have any true knowledge. They don't pray for guidance. They don't pray for blessing. They don't pray that anybody is blessed by what is shared. They just spew it out. They make it up. Nothing tied to the scripture. And they make up things like, God doesn't do this anymore. He doesn't do that anymore. And that's not allowed in this denomination. You can't worship like that here because we don't do that. We don't raise our hands here to the Lord God Almighty in heaven above. No, no, no. Raising your hands in praise. No, that's not allowed here. You are not allowed to. Oh, and you cannot stand up on your own because you think that's appropriate and put your hands in the air and say, glory to God, hallelujah. That's not allowed. That's not allowed until somebody tells you you can do it. Oh, and don't even utter heavenly language. Oh, no, 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 no. That's speaking in tongues garbage. That's definitely not allowed in this denomination. Don't you dare do that because that's of the devil. Uh, what? The devil doesn't understand it. What are you talking about? That's of the devil. He gets agitated because he can't understand it. The language that is given in heaven and given by the Holy Spirit so that you can speak directly without interference from the devil. So how are you saying that that's of the devil? He doesn't even understand it. What fool's dictionary are you reading from? Yeah. Can you feel me getting wound up? Oh, yes. <laughs> but there are those that do that. 
and that you can't be doing that and that you can't be a uh, disciple and you can't go out and do that unless you get a certification signed by the pastor that tells you that you can do it. And if they're telling you that, then you need to flee that place. You need to flee that place as soon as you can. Take your Bible, pack it up and go, which I've done. I've done that. I've gotten up right in. There was no biblical scriptures done. It was all, and everything about was all me, 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 me. There was nothing coming from the scripture at all. Whereas the pastor that they decided to put out because he spoke of the scripture all the time, was always praying and was always talking about the Bible, but because he wouldn't bend to what they wanted to do, the board, the church board, decided to out him. And they put this person there because this person would bend to their whim. And he was actually one of their ilk, but nothing scriptural. The Holy Spirit leaned into my ear and said, you need to leave and you need to leave now. I got up, closed my Bible, because there was nothing coming out of it. And I just excused myself. I was down toward the front too. But I just got up and I walked and I just went to the door and I exited and I got on my motorcycle and I left. This was some years ago. But the Holy Spirit will do that. And that's okay. It is okay. The Holy Spirit took me to another church. Took me to a really good church actually. It was really pretty great. So guidance to the Holy Spirit, you need to seek that and the truth will be known. And the Holy Spirit will take you to a place of his truth. Seek in faith, his truth and his knowledge. And when the Holy Spirit's guiding the way and it doesn't look familiar, don't veer off on your own. Have faith that the detour is the road. So remember that speeding timeline coming our way. Time was spent while they were with the herd. They, and it was, and the way that we spend time with God is a number of different ways. Studying his word, being in the Bible, reading, prayerfully, mindfully thinking about God as you're reading his word. Spending time in prayer with worship music. Sometimes I put my I put my headphones or my earphones in, you know, so I'm walking around. My my earphones have a better distance so I saw. I mean, I'm out moving around the other part of the house and I got worship music on and there's times where it comes up and I just start bawling because some of the some of the powerful words that are spoken in these songs declaration of God I mean there there are some and I've shared some of these songs with you the, the artists that sing these things and and the songs that I share with with my children um and I'm going to share this with you I don't think I, I haven't shared with you I, I did this some years ago um, and there's some people that might not know who this fellow is. Um, folks my age are going to remember him and they're going to know. There's a young man and his name is Steve Winwood. And he did a musical number called Higher Love. 
And what do we talk? What do what do Christians talk about? What are pastors? And our pastors even uh, called it that. We need to look for a higher love and God and that love that Christ Jesus was teaching when they were, when he was on the beach with Peter and all of them, and he was explaining the different kinds of love. There's uh, phileum, which is brotherly love. Then you have eros, which is the um, interpersonal love, which is between a husband and wife. Wife and her husband. And then you have agape love, which is unconditional love, which is the higher love, which is the, comes from God. Now, the song, and I went through the lyrics and, and uh, listened to this song numerous times. He's not, there's nothing in there about eros. There's nothing in there about any interpersonal relationship with man or woman. Nothing in that song. Show me a higher love, a higher love. So my perspective, and I put this in my contemporary Christian music. Show me that higher love, that love that comes from God. So when the worship songs come on, studying in his word, prayer, worship, music, fellowship with like-minded of the truth. You have brothers and sisters. It tells us to be like-minded so that we're, we're believing the same thing. It doesn't mean that you have the same, that their opinion matches yours, so it's all hunky-hunky, you know, everything's good. That's not what that means. Having Being like-minded means that you are believing that the truth is in the word of God. The Holy Spirit guides and that Jesus Christ came and did die and he came in the flesh here. That's being like-minded with individuals that believe that way, then you're in the truth. And remember what John tells us. He says, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ came here in the flesh and was crucified, but you claim to be a Christian, all these other things, he said, then you're a liar. You're going to claim all these other things, but you don't believe that Christ came and died for you on the cross and was crucified for the redemption of sin and giving everyone the opportunity, then you are a liar. Plain and simple. Truth hurts sometimes. But here's the thing. Having scripture around you, paying attention to things that are paying attention to God and his creation as the mountains will declare my majesty and the trees will clap in declaring my sovereignty and the birds will worship in song, look around with spiritual eyesight and incline to the voice of my creation with spiritual hearing. Hear me call to you and see all I have made for you. Selah. God does call. He does talk. Are you listening? Spiritual hearing and spiritual eyesight will allow you to see these things. It takes a little practice, and that's okay. God doesn't mind, as long as you're practicing. I've shared that with you. Study to show yourself approved. 
And incline your ear to hear him speak. Incline your ear to hear the voice of the creation because we'll share it. In the book of Ruth, this is this is very interesting. I, I like, and some of you are not familiar, this young woman wrote this, this book, very short one actually, but this is, this is the lineage of Christ Jesus. And I bracketed this one and I just shared this because this is, to me, this is um, in line with when Christ Jesus changed the water to wine. And remember what the, the, the wedding master, the guest master declared is that the best was saved to last and normally Back in those days, they served all the best wine first and everybody got drunk and then they would serve the funky stuff and everybody was so drunk they wouldn't pay attention. But the wine that was served later and those who were not drinking themselves to stupidity and just enjoying fellowship, they were able to recognize that it was good wine and the the, what do they call it? I can't remember. There's a term that they have for this fellow. But anyway, he sets the whole thing up and he makes sure that everything goes so that the uh, the mother-in-law and the mother, they don't have to worry about it. He's taking charge. He made the declaration that the best wine was saved to last and that most people don't do that. But the best wine was that that was made when Christ Jesus changed the water into wine by virtue of the Father's touch. When he prayed to God because of the compassion for his mother that he had for her and because she did not want her friend, longtime friend that she had known since she was a child. She did not want her to be embarrassed and she asked that Jesus would do this. And then she walked away from Jesus. She just said, you do what he tells you to do. Do it exactly what he tells you to do. And of course, that was his earthly mother and he loved her. So he did it. Compassion, kindness, and he did it. And our Heavenly Father honored that in him. And the wine that came from that water was the best. But I share this with you because I'm going to share this with you also. In the book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 10. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. So not just showing out so that the attention will be getting, and then later on she does whatever, which is what so many would do. But he's saying, you didn't do that. And I bring that up also because in this, you have to understand that this humble beginning, this humble woman, 
was in the lineage of Christ Jesus. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. Ram begat Amadab. And Amadab begat Nashum. And Nashum begat Solomon. And Solomon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. David was anointed by Samuel to be the king of Israel. And from that seed came Christ Jesus. From very humble beginnings. Ruth was taking what she could get from the field to help her Naomi, who she gave herself to. So brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things here that we need to pay attention to and listen to that we can find throughout the Bible that talks us about the assurance of God. And you have to understand here, there is one specifically I was going to share with you that I believe is very important to, to share with you. Oh, goodness gracious. I thought I'd written it down. I thought I'd written it down. I do wholly apologize. But this is when, I'm going to share with you with David. David was an interesting man. David used to walk out in the wilds a lot. And he actually spent time with God a lot, even as king. And he didn't boast on his wealth and everything that he had made and brag about the riches and everything that he had. He, he worshiped God and gave worship to God and he honored God. And he made that known. So in Psalm 63, we actually read a lot about this alone time that David had. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. God, thou art my God, early I will seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in the dry and thirsty land, where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul falleth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. 
but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. David was not a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. And these things that David declared was when he spent time and he went out and wandered. David was a young man and he wandered and spent time with God. Now I'm going to share this out of the book of Isaiah. And this is an important portion, I believe, to share with us because it is Isaiah. And this is in Isaiah 5, 8 through 12. Woe unto them that join house to house, that they lay field to field, till there be no place that may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Does that sound like something that we do? We tear down the wilds to build houses and then the people complain and declare that the bears have to be destroyed, the mountain lions have to be destroyed because they're rogue and they're wild and they're coming down here in our backyard. Well, wait a second. Your backyard used to be their yard. They didn't used to have a house in the way. They used to be able to wander through the valleys and the woods up there because it used to be theirs. And now you've built house to house and field to field and they have no place to go and yet you want them destroyed because they're in your backyard? You should be more respectful because it used to be their backyard. Pardon me. <laughs> I used to be taking care of those animals out there in the wild and people were just like that. Why can't you just shoot them and kill them? Seriously? First of all, you're taking refuge in a sanctuary and a retreat and these animals are protected, all this acreage around here. I go out here, and I didn't say it, but I'm thinking this. I had 2,750 acres that I had to go out and take care of all these animals, make sure nobody was, and I had poachers galore. That was their land. And you know what? I saw animals that I had never, ever seen before, but they came there knowing that they were protected. Anyway, further, verse nine. In mine ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth, many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. You look around, you go to some places, I see empty buildings that are not leased. There was a place that was built up uh, where I was living before and they built this, uh, the developer built it and was guaranteed that they were going to have these houses all and he was going to make so much money. Well, guess what? The house didn't all sell. There are some people that are living down in, in some of the areas and some of the divisions that were there, but there were a lot of empty houses in there for many years. They sat empty simply because they built so quickly. Further, yea, 10 acres of vineyard shall yield one bath and the seed of a homer shall yield an ephah. And that's saying that you're not getting much for your investment. That's exactly what that that translates to woe unto them that rise up early in the morning that they follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them and the harp of the vial and the temple and pipe and all they do is wine and feast and they don't regard their work of the Lord neither consider the operation of his hands at all it's all about them so brothers and sisters know this though that we have assurances that God watches and keeps us that is his word and his promise. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Be blessed.